Can you hear me? Yep. Okay, I just want to make sure I had. There's a green and a red button, and I never remember which one is on and which one's off. For some reason, in Italy, red was on. And so I'm getting used to the American style of doing things again in a lot of ways. So I'm so glad you're here. I'm trusting that you're already uh, enjoying Christmas. A lot of things are already going on in our communities. A lot of things are already going on here in the church. And, and I really hope that you're enjoying the, the Advent readings. Thank you so much, uh, Kathy and Karen, for doing that today. And that just helps to bring together the season for our church and, um, and it reminds us every Sunday that we're closer to Christmas Day. And so I hope you're enjoying that. It's, it's just so cool to see how different people fit in to different roles and different uh, tasks to make church work. Just to make church work. God brings the right people and gives you gifts and talents and skills. And it just folds together to make a church work. So thank you so much for for what you guys did this morning, for the worship team, for the, uh, for the welcome team, and uh, the tech team. It's just so cool to be a part of a church that everybody's pulling together uh, like this. And I hope that you're enjoying um, the season as we move toward Christmas party and, and our Christmas. Now, let me remind you of just a couple of things before we get into our message this morning. One is uh, an announcement that I asked um, that Andy would not share and it's the announcement on Christmas cheer. Christmas cheer is something we do each year that helps to pour into and help out a few people in our church who are needy, who have some needs, who, who have physical needs especially. And so we ask you to consider being a part of our Christmas cheer offering. There are offering envelopes that you are given this morning. You can also give, and some of you already knew this, but some of you didn't, you can also give to Renovation Vineyard Church on the app. Uh, if you're like me, I don't write a lot of checks during the week. Most of us are doing a lot of things online now, aren't we? And so if you download the Ren Renovation Vineyard app onto your phone, you can give online. And that way you don't have to bring your checkbook or you don't have to say, oh, I forgot my checkbook. I can't give today. You can give. And you can also give to Christmas cheer there as well. Now, I need you to do that today or next Sunday or sometime in between on the app so that we can compile all that next Sunday and, and we'll give that out right after the, right after the um, well, on Monday or Tuesday before Christmas. And that will help out some people who are in need right now that are a part of our church, okay? The second thing I want to remind you is that we are, we are building up our guest welcome team. We need to add about eight more people to the team. And in January, we're going to start training and we'll have job descriptions for you. If you can smile and you can greet people and you're not serving otherwise on Sunday morning, sign up, help us out, be a part of the team, get to know new people, and we'll cycle you in once a, once a month, maybe twice a month. And that will be a part of what God does through you on our Sunday morning services. And that will be, uh, that will be in January. We'll, uh, we'll be available if you want to talk about that later on after the service. But certainly we're going to be talking to some of you about the possibilities of joining our welcome team. 
And uh, they're the ones that greeted you whenever you walked in. They're the ones that are there to smile at you and shake your hand. And when a new person comes, that new person needs to know where everything is. And so our team helps them to navigate through where everything is uh, in our building on Sunday mornings and during other services that we have. Now, let's move toward our service and our message this morning. And, um, and last week we talked about Zacharias and the miracle of God's presence changing his life. This week, I want to talk about his wife, his wife, Elizabeth. Did I say Zacharias? Did. I did. Aren't you proud of me? I, I kept calling him by somebody else's name, the little short guy up in the tree. So, um, now, if you watch the news or you read the newspapers or you listen to different radio shows, it doesn't take long to realize that we live in a culture that seems to be divided. There are, there are people who are angry with each other because of simple things like politics, sports. Um, the, um, the, the culture we live in seems to have, honestly, it, it's almost like a schoolyard with name-calling and, and people getting angry with each other about things that really are not that important. And living in a culture like that, we can be agents of change. We can be people who choose not to do that. And so sometimes even, even, even in our, our family circles, sometimes around the, the Christmas table, sometimes around our workplace, the, the, the conversations and the name calling can come, become somewhat toxic. And people say that the words don't matter, that we say to each other, but you know what? That's just not true. The words that you say and the words that I say really matter. And they could be for good or they could be for not as good and cause harm. And if, you have, if you've been in church long or you've been walking with Christ long, you know that the words of the gospel have changed your life. And you know that the words of the gospel have the potential to change others' lives as well. That's why we come here on Sunday mornings. That's why we serve. That's why we pray. That's why we worship. That's why we choose to spend our time, choose to spend our resources, investing in people, investing in the church here at Renovation because the gospel message can change lives. And so um, you already know that. And so our message today is about the words that get used and the names they get thrown around because our main character in our story today, her name is Elizabeth. Elizabeth was a very well-respected woman. She was the wife of a priest. She lived in a, in, in a, a hill country town. And as she, as she grew through her years, while she was a very respected woman, very lovely woman, very um, um, uh, much a part of the community, the, the fact that she had not given her husband a child became a part of her identity. In fact, her identity kind of became wrapped up in the community that she was the woman who had not had a child yet. Now, culturally, we've moved beyond that because we know that women are not just mothers. 
Women are leaders. Women are strong. Women bring gifts and talents and skills to the businesses and the families and the church here. And back then, the culture was quite different. And that was a high value for a wife during that day. And Elizabeth had a reputation for not being the wife that gave her husband a child. And so we want to look at this character of Elizabeth in Luke chapter 1. If you'll turn in your Bible or turn to your app and turn to Luke chapter 1, we're going to look at some verses that deal with this couple in the gospel story that was so important to the gospel story. Elizabeth and Zacharias were the mom and dad of, of little baby John, the cousin of Jesus. John grew up to be the baptizer who, who paved the way for Jesus to come onto the scene and declare the good news. He became, in fact, the first prophetic voice to the people of Israel that they had had for 400 years. For 10 generations, the, the prophetic voice had been silent. In, for the people of Israel. And when John stepped into the scene, he became the one to speak prophetically to the people of Israel once again. And so the gospel story came and John the baptizer stepped into history and God broke the silence to his people from over 10 generations. But there was someone who spoke prophetically even before John the baptizer grew up to publicly do the ministry that he did at the River Jordan before Jesus came. And that person was Elizabeth. God did an amazing thing in Elizabeth's life. And as, as John's mother and the wife of the priest Zacharias, while her life was very public, God visited her, and God did an incredible work. God, in fact, first of all, lifted her up when, when the angel visited Zacharias there in the temple when he was at the altar of prayer. And we looked, a little about that. we looked at that last week a little bit. And when Zacharias was there before the altar, God sent the angel to speak to him and changed his life because of the presence of God in that room. God changed Zacharias's life. But when the angel spoke to Zacharias, it's interesting what he said. Because the angel declared not only was, he going, was the Lord going to give them a child. But the angel declared that he knew them very personally. And he knew them very intimately. He knew them by name. Let's look at the verses in Luke chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. And then verse 13. Zacharias and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes. Careful to obey all the Lord's commandments and regulations. Oh, they had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive. And they were both very old. But the angel said, do not be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son. 
and you're to name him John. The angel visited Zacharias there in that place when he was standing before the altar of prayer and incense. And he came near. And he brought him into a place of acceptance and a place of mercy. But if we're not careful when we read this, we'll miss something very important. This instance was not just about Zacharias. It was about Elizabeth. Elizabeth was the one who had trouble bearing a child. And God sent the angel to speak to Zacharias for Elizabeth's sake. You'll bear a child. And not only did he promise that she would bear a child, but he called her by name, not just once, but twice. Elizabeth will bear a child. God knew her name and knew her situation. And if you consider the vast resources and the vast creation that God Almighty has given to us to enjoy, from stars to planets to the, most, the, the smallest of microbes. And in the midst of that, God knows her name. And God knows our name. In Isaiah 40, 26, the prophet says this. He says, look up into the heavens. Who created the stars? And the answer is obviously, the Lord God did. He brings them out like an army. One after another, calling each by its name. Because of his great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. But the very next verses declare how God knows us and knows our needs as well. Because the very next verses say, he knows the needs and the cries of the hearts of the people of Israel. And he's intimately involved. People, God knows our names. He knows our needs. He knows the cries of our heart. And he hears us. And for Elizabeth, he answered the prayer and the cries of their heart for the child. God surprised, this is your first fillion. God surprises us by his transformation because he knows our name. He knows our name. Now, What we call things and what we call people is important, isn't it? Some of us have names and some of us have nicknames. If you, were, if you ever served in the military, you probably got a nickname from your, your co... And those names stick, don't they? So, so we get these names. Uh, sometimes we have somebody in our family that is the nickname giver. I don't know if your family's like that. It may be you. It may be you that gives those nicknames. My grandfather was the one that gave nicknames. Somehow or another, he got the role of giving each one of us nicknames when we were growing up. I'm not going to tell you mine. But I do know that one of my cousins was named Princess. And that another person in the family was named Booger. So guess which one chose not to live up to their nickname? Yes, that would be her. So, so what we call each other is important. 
Sometimes our names get hyphenated. Not, not the hyphenated name whenever you get married, but the hyphenated name that sometimes people give us because of a characteristic, because of something that we've done, because of something that we look like. We get a hyphenated name, and that mistake or that feature or that, that quirkiness to our character sometimes leads to that hyphenated name. Well, for Elizabeth... She had a hyphenated name. Elizabeth, the barren one. She was nicknamed. And so sometimes those names get in the way of us experiencing everything that God wants us to experience. But you know what? We get a choice in the name that we live up to. We get a choice in it. Sometimes we may get those hyphenated names that are derogatory or demeaning or disparaging Sometimes we may get that nickname or that hyphenated name that causes us distress or causes us not to be everything God's called us to be, but we have a choice to not live up to the names that disparage us. We have a choice to not live up to what others call us. And those false expectations that maybe people put on us because of that nickname or because of that quirk in our personality those things maybe lead us to feel that we're devalued or, or they may have hurt us when we were growing up, but we don't have to choose to live up to that name. Elizabeth was tagged with a name and God visited her and his presence transformed her life because he knew her real name. Now, there's also a certain power there's a certain sense of, of um, um, unity in knowing each other's names. You know, it's true. If you're, if you're a teacher and you know your kids' names, there's that extra communion that you have with your kids in your classroom. If you've ever been in business and you had someone that was a client, knowing their name is really important. There's a sense of power. There's a sense of, 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 uh, of bringing together of people when we know each other's names. And when you got here this morning, and I see almost all of you have name tags on. And we do that not so that you'll feel like we're trying to get you to, like, you know, kind of, uh, we're not trying to manipulate you into sharing something you don't want to share or, or make you want like us or anything like that. We just genuinely want to know your name. And this mind sometimes doesn't get all the names. And so it's so good that you got the name tags on. And, and so having a knowledge of somebody else's name can give us that, that sense of, of community that we need. You remember when Jesus was, uh, uh, was um, going across the, the lake one day with his, with his disciples, and he went into an area that was uh, basically a graveyard, and there was a man there in the gathering area, and this man was... was was just covered with demonic activity. He was, he was completely, completely absorbed by the demonic activity in his life. And one of the first things that Jesus did to him is, what is your name? He was speaking not just to the demonic forces, but he was speaking to the man. He was giving him a sense of value. He was giving him a sense of worth. And he spoke to the man and, and asked him his name. Uh, the demonic work stepped forward and said that they were a legion of demons. 
But, but Jesus was speaking to the man and saying, you are worth something. You are valuable. You matter in this life. You are significant. And sometimes we may feel like we can't escape from that, that, that tag we were given or that hyphenated name or that nickname that we're given. But I'm telling you, God knows your name. And God values who you are. He has called you by name and he has redeemed you. And if the voice inside you says, oh, but I'm really like that because that's what everybody called me, God says that you don't have to listen to that voice because I have called you by your name. And he's given us a hyphenated name too. Did you know that? He's called us Doug the Beloved. He's called us Jim, the chosen child of God. He's called us by a hyphenated name that says to us that we are more than what other people have thought that we were. You are the gospel carrier. You are the light bearer. You are the one after my own heart. You are the worshiper. You are the beloved. You are the holy one. I like Saint. Saint Rick sounds good to me. And Jesus calls us his saints. His holy ones. And we can live up to that name because God the Holy Spirit dwelling inside allows us to do that. He knows our name. But we've also got some other verses I want us to look at too. We can also see in our verses that, uh, and we're going to read some in just a moment, that God surprises us not just by knowing our name, but he surprises us by his transformation by esteeming our value. He esteems our value. He affirms and lifts up just how much he values us. Now, God the Father placed a high value on his son. Would you agree? God the Father gave you his son to be your sacrifice. He put a huge value on you. He esteems your value. When the angel was visiting Zacharias, and Zacharias was, was praying there at the altar of incense, and he promised him an answer to his prayer, that promise of, the, of, that, of that child who would go before the Redeemer and, and bring God's people to repentance and declare that the coming Lord, the coming Savior was imminent, that he was right by... In fact, John pointed him out and said, there he is, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. When, when Zacharias and, and Elizabeth had that child, he was going to be the one to declare the coming Savior, and he was going to be filled with the Spirit of God from birth. An incredible thing to happen. In the Old Testament, the Spirit of God would come upon people, but the Spirit of God filling from inside out was an incredible thing that happened in the gospel story. And it happened for John the baptizer from birth. But even before John was born, let's look at what happened to Elizabeth. Read with me in verses 41 and through 45 for our second passage this morning. Verses 41 through 45. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leapt within her. 
And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit even before Zacharias was later on. Even before John was born, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, and listen to what she, she exclaimed. God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord would come and visit me? Now, don't miss this. God, the Holy Spirit, filled her up and spoke into her heart that the baby that Mary was carrying, that Jesus Christ would one day be her Lord. God, the Holy Spirit, revealed the gospel message to Elizabeth. And that's an incredible thing because she became one of the first people to declare that the Lord was the Lord and that, uh, that he would save people. And when I heard your greeting, she said, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. Elizabeth spoke prophetically into Mary's life right then. And so Mary became a prophetic voice to encourage and lift up and strengthen Mary for the task at hand. God filled her with the Holy Spirit. And, now, and we know that her husband was filled with the Holy Spirit. Whenever he named John, the name John, it says that he was filled with the Holy Spirit. But here Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit to be able to speak words of encouragement to Mary. God revealed the good news to her. And she was able to have a, an understanding of the gospel. And then God used her to bless Mary and encourage her for the road ahead. Now, if you're here as a follower of Jesus, guess what God's done for you? He's revealed to you the good news about Jesus. He's revealed by his Holy Spirit that Jesus loves you. That he spent his blood by dying on the cross so that you could know him as personal Savior, as personal Lord, as friend to walk through life together. He's shared with you and revealed to you the good news about Jesus. The second thing that he's done is that he's filled you with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that whenever we accept Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and sets up residence inside of our bodies. And he fills us with his Holy Spirit every day. When we ask him, God God promises to fill us with his Holy Spirit. And then the third thing he's done is he's chosen by the Holy Spirit living in you to encourage those around you and to speak truth and to speak encouragement and lift up and bless those around you who need to hear a, a special word of truth, a special word of encouragement. And at times, at times, some of those words will come to that person that you're speaking to in a prophetic way. And it will change their life and help them to understand better what God is moving them toward and how God chooses to use them in this world. Now, a few years ago, one of my team members, one of our team members in missions in the Mediterranean area, uh, had joined a mission team to go to North Africa. And this, this young woman and a group of artists went to a city in North Africa to do a mission project. They were all artists and they chose to do this. They chose to set up their easels in the middle of a, uh, of a marketplace 
in this large city. And they set up their easels and began to paint. And they wanted to paint, each one chose to paint something that would declare the gospel. This girl decided to paint a door, a keyhole, and a key. And that door was cracked open just a little bit. And from one side where it was dark and despairing, you could see a glimpse of joy and light and hope. Well, over the five-day period, as they were painting their, their paintings, their artwork, an older Muslim man came up behind her and watched her paint this picture. He was watching her as, he, as she developed this painting, and, and his, his, his response went from curiosity to appreciation for her artwork to amazement. Near the end of the painting, of the five days, she heard this old man begin to cry. And she asked an interpreter to come over and ask him what was going on. The interpreter was able to translate for her what his response was. He said, I've watched you paint this, and I've appreciated your artwork, but I finally see what you're talking about. What you've been telling us about in this, in this painting is what you've been telling us about through your Bible stories, that, that God loves me, and I don't have to live in darkness, and that I can make a way into hope and light and salvation. And my response is to move toward the door and walk through it. You have showed me that God loves me and invites me to a relationship with him. And the man's heart was changed. God used her artwork to speak prophetically to a man who needed a savior. And sometimes your gifts and your talents and your skills and your choice to use them here at church or otherwise becomes a prophetic voice to other people to invite them to know truth and to know the Savior. So God speaks our name. God gives us this hope and he, and he esteems our value. And a third point. A third point we can see in the verses in Luke chapter 1. When God surprises us by his transformation, this is your third fill-in, he changes our destiny. He changes our destiny. Now, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, the verses after that I'll talk about in a minute, but in 5.17, Paul tells us that if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. He's made us into new creations. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. Now sometimes I don't feel like the old life's gone very far. But the Bible says that God has made me into a new creation. And God has made you into a new creation. Here's what he does. He redeems our past. He sees everything that we've done in our past through his grace and through the curtain of his blood. That, that blood that sacrificed for our sins. That blood that was sacrificed for our past and our guilt and our shame. And he sees us and he redeems our past. 
And then he restores the wounds in our lives that were caused because of the sin in our hearts and our lives. The things that we've done in the past have wounded us sometimes. And God heals our wounds and restores our wounds and restores the broken places in our lives. Those dead spots in our heart that have not been sensitive to him, he makes into a heart of flesh and makes us available to his word as well. So he, he redeems our past, he restores our wounds, he renews our purpose. He renews our purpose. The things that, uh, the things that maybe mattered before, once Jesus is Lord, all those little purposes that we, that we had roaming around in our lives that we put our time and energy toward, God redeems those purposes and puts them under the umbrella of his purpose in our lives. He brings order to our lives and gives us a renewed purpose. And then he reveals our calling. He starts to point out things in your life that you can be used in serving him with. He, he points out areas in your life that are a part of your specific and unique calling. How you can serve him and give back to him. And once he does that, he uses that redeemed life. He uses those, those restored wounds. He uses that renewed purpose. And, and he uses us for his glory. And he gives us a new destiny. And as we approach and as we pursue that calling, every day God keeps renovating our lives. He keeps changing us. He keeps bringing new things to light that can make us more like him. Remember in 2 Corinthians 5.17, we are new creatures. But we are new creatures for what? So that. Anytime you see so that, there's a reason. So that you can be ministers of reconciliation. So that you can take the gospel message and speak it prophetically and powerfully into other people's lives. So that they'll be drawn to the grace of God. And so they'll find purpose and they'll have their wounds healed as well. God calls us to be new creations so that we can invite others to say yes to Jesus. So that we can take the message. Maybe just across the street. Maybe to the person that works in the office next door. Maybe to the person in class who sits nearby and you know that you need to say something truthful to them. Maybe around the corner. Maybe around the globe. God calls us to use all that we are. He redeems it and then he sends us out to share the good news with others. Well, here was a couple that we talked about in the last two Sundays, who loved God, who chose to serve Him all of their lives. Elizabeth, Zacharias, pursued a life that honored God. They, they were esteemed in their community. Yet, there were places that needed a touch from God. Zacharias needed God to reveal His mercy and accept Him in the Beloved. And show him the gospel message. Elizabeth needed to have her heart restored. And the broken places redeemed. They needed a child. But they needed most importantly. That God would show up and transform their lives. 
Even religious people need to be redeemed. Some of us were religious before we became Christians, weren't we? Yeah, we were. But we all need the redemptive work of of the Lord. So let's read the last two passages. And this is what it says about Elizabeth and how God transformed her. How God transformed her and changed her destiny. Verses 23 through 25 and 36 and 37. When Zacharias' week of service in the temple was over, he returned home. Soon afterward, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and went into seclusion for five months. How kind the Lord is, she exclaimed. I like the way the message puts it. The message says that she said, so this is how God's going to change things in my life. How kind the Lord is. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. And then here's what the angel told Mary before she visited Elizabeth. What's more, the angel said to Mary, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in old age. People used to say, people used to call her, people used to name her, people used to have a hyphenated name for her, people used to say she was barren. But she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month, for the word of God will never fail. She may have taken on a name that should not have defined her, but Elizabeth was called by her name, by the Father in heaven. She may have thought her destiny was only one thing, but God changed her destiny. And she may have thought her purpose, she may have thought her, her, her calling was to be one thing, but God changed her calling and moved her in the direction of being a testimony that God's presence transforms people. And that's the message of the good news at Christmas and all year round, is that God transforms us. God transforms us. We aren't just a part of a religion, are we? That relationship, that intimate relationship with Jesus transforms our lives. And each time we come into this building and each time that we kneel in prayer at our home, each time we open up our Bible over a cup of coffee, each time we come into God's presence, God is in the process of transforming us more and more into what he wants us to be, what he's called us to be, and what is fit to fulfill the destiny he's called us into. And so we come to the end of our message. But the end of the message isn't just the end of the message. The end of the message is also a time when you can commit and speak to God because of what you've heard. And what I want us to do right now is I want you to pray with me. And I want you to, um, to make this prayer, if it is, the echo of your own heart. The, the, the words that I pray if it resonates with where you are in your own life, make it the prayer of your own heart as well. Because this Christmas is a time to experience 
his transformation. This Christmas is a time to experience his mercy. So let's pray together. If you'll bow your heads with me. And this prayer has been prayed many, many times before. It may be a prayer that you prayed a long time ago. But pray this in your heart. God, thank you for sending Jesus to come at Christmas time to live the perfect life, to die the death that I would have had to do except that you sent the sacrifice. Thank you, Father, for giving your Son as the gift that brings me mercy, forgiveness, and life. I receive that today. I receive the life that you gave me through the mercies of Jesus and trust in what he did on the cross and what he accomplished when he rose again to give me life eternal and life abundant. Oh, you are a good, good God. And we thank you for this life you've called us to. And we pray it in the strong, loving name of Jesus. Amen.